This is Hank from the Wildflower Bee Farm for March 12, 2021. Boy, what a week. I just finished posting the um, sort of dissection of the hive that didn't make it and came up with a solution. That's at wildflowerbeefarm.com. You can see the whole six-minute sort of video while I take it apart and explain the history of that hive and what happened. Um, the benefit is we learned from it, but we also had about 80 pounds of honey that we distributed. Today I took the last sort of frames back to the back of the bush so that some of the hives that uh, may need it, we don't know if they need it for sure, but it'll be there for them uh, today. The ones at the front here, the, the hives pretty much uh, had access to some for about a week, and they are doing quite fine, actually. Um, this was also hop guard week. I used HopGuard in all my Langstroth hives, so I, uh, I I actually posted a video because we did Hank live at the hive. What we really did is we had a live episode with a classroom out of Toronto, um, uh, McGarry, uh, Mr. McGarry's classroom, and his students watched by as we uh, put HopGuard in a hive, and it was uh, on a Facebook live. We're working on a Google. Uh, uh, sort of solution uh, YouTube which will be at uh, honeybeelessonplans.com so that's a that's a site I created I think I've talked about it where we have lesson plans created for our videos to follow so you can as a parent we're also going to have activities that you're going to be able to download and use with our videos and your children at home to help them learn more about the environment and honeybees and all it takes to get access is a ten dollar subscription per year if you have a classroom or in your home that's all it takes you get access to all that stuff plus it also supports our hank live at the hive we'll be doing that once or twice a month during the uh i call it the growing season uh, we're going to be doing some more testing tomorrow with the software and the microphones. The first run at we, it was so windy and blustery this week. We we had a lot of problems with the sound, but we put it up anyway, and it's going to be uh, much better as we move through. And we thank you for your patience. But that's also up at wildflowerbeefarm.com, or you can go to our YouTube page, um, same name, wildflowerbeefarm.com. So the, the, the bees were really, there's a real contrast between what's happening in the, the bees that have more sun, obviously more warmth, uh, than the bees um, that are either around the bush or actually in what we call pine groves where they get very little sun, if any. Um, I got nailed yesterday, went to, to the pine grove hive because when I put the hop guard in, I forgot to put the, the one sensor from uh, Broodminder in and and the problem with the brood miner is you have to actually put it in the active hive with the home accept sensors we just put them on top uh, of the screen so you really don't have to of the moisture blanket so you really don't have to get into the hive at all it's very easy to do and i probably should have tried that with the um brood miner but they're not built for that reason so when i opened the hive i didn't have any gear on because it was really windy and kind of cool I thought, there's no bees are going to be i don't have to worry so I just barely opened the um, <laughs> the top to slide in the brood miner, and a couple of guards came out, and one got me right right to the left of the eye. Uh, it looked like I have a black eye today, and the other one started chasing me, and it was not pretty. But anyway, I, I got stung, but I got I got that sensor in. The bees all have hop guard in the Langstroth highs. We're making a decision, a strategic decision to. Uh, not do any treatments of the top bars or the one log hive that was a swarm we caught. 
And there are a number of reasons for this. I mean, one of the it's great that 30 out of 31 of our hives made it through the winter, but we really have no data to compare. So the, we really believe that 10 up to 20 or more hives may not have made it. And we would then be able to look at the data and from that come up with better ways to help bees. But it looks like we're there in some instances. Some of these hives, 12 out of the 13 hives, this was their second winter of survival. Um, and so we're you know we're 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 pretty excited about it but we're still cautious because we still have the spring to get through right we still have to get through the spring a queen may not make it in the sense of not be laying properly or other things could happen so we need to sort of be vigilant and keep an eye out but regardless of what happens in the spring it was a pretty good winter i'm interested to see what happens across the country i haven't heard yet because it's too early Usually spring losses are added to winter losses, and but in our case, we're sort of separating the two because I think it's a, it's a total, totally separate sort of set of data, data that you're looking at. Now, if you go to wildflowerbeefarm.com, you can watch the video of my analysis of why that hive didn't make it, and if you have other comments, just forward them to me. One other exciting thing that happened this week was finally figuring out the... Um, I shouldn't say finally, but testing and retesting and the ground um, thawed so that I could put in fence posts to use the home accept sensors all the way back to the bush property. And so we have probably over a thousand feet from our internet source here at home where I'm sitting and broadcasting right now. We actually have sensors using this internet through the just the genius mesh method of home accept. Now I I've told you for self-disclosure, I've invested in the company. Remember, Home Accept was a company, is a company designed to help seniors stay in their homes to, to age in place, uh, which is why I got involved. But when I looked at the sensors and, and how excellent they were, I asked them if, if we could sort of use them in uh, to, to keep track of uh, beehive temperature and humidity and hopefully eventually movement, which will give us a whole new set of data. And they agreed. And, you know, the batteries, we had them all winter if you can picture this every hundred feet actually 200 feet now out in, out in our farm are is a fence post with a tiny sensor on it totally exposed uh, exposed to the elements and this this winter um flawlessly they worked right through the cold the batteries did not fail so probably once a year we're going to uh, you know exchange the batteries they're fairly common type batteries very easy to do and we'll do that for the fall, or, or should a battery fail us, we'll do it sooner. But this is a really incredible way to keep track of your bees. If you have a hive or two, or if you have many hives in your backyard or in your apiary, and you you know, you know can be, in this case, I am about, oh, I'm probably close to a thousand feet uh, from the back bush, and we're connected. Um, so you could extend that for as long as you want. Now, the sensors are, are very reasonable. You go to Home Accept, E-X-C-E-P-T, and, and you can talk to them about what you want to do. But I'm telling you, in our case, it was very helpful. For the hive that didn't make it, I was able to look at the data, just the thousands, or I should say millions of pieces of data, and be able to figure out when it looked like, according to temperature and humidity, the, the hive failed. And we were able to nail it down to the first week of December. Uh, and that's when the hive uh, didn't make it any longer. And, and that was a fascinating sort of ability to add that to the data of what we found when we took the hive apart to know that it was uh, varroa mites and uh, primarily varroa mites that weakened the hive. And basically, I think they flew away. They knew they were sick, uh, 
So when bees are sick, they fly away to protect the hive, and so many flew away that the remainder um, could not survive. The interesting thing as well, as you read in the literature, this was our strongest hive. It was also the only hive that had three boxes on it. We had a deep with two mediums. The largest uh, hive outside of that that survived this winter that we had would be the deep with a medium. So we had, uh, you know, deeps with mediums to survive. We had, uh, we have two mediums together survive. We had singles survive. We had a nuke survive all alone, very thriving, just just great. And we also had an eight frame survive in a very old, old hive that my dad had. So it really didn't seem to matter uh, where they were positioned or, you know, what was going on. We also remember last year we did thymol and formic uh, treatments, didn't seem to matter. We had some that were splits that we didn't treat, they survived. Now we, we then treated them all with um, with Hopguard this spring, and, and I really, I'll tell you the final story about Hopguard. So, if you go to wildflowerbeefarm.com, you'll find a video I created called Bees Have Brains, and this is important for you to look at because the science, and I tried to interpret it in a way so that I could understand, and hopefully you could too, is that they've learned that the honeybees learn from their behavior and experience, that the honeybees brain about the size of a sesame seed has about a million neurons. And neuroplasticity has been well accepted by researchers and scientists when it comes to the bee brain. In that video that's on our site, you'll see a, a, a honeybee uh, bringing out a, a, a friend who didn't make it. And two bees are actually fighting over this. One bee wants to take it somewhere. Another bee wants to fly away with it. Now, the bee that wants to take it somewhere eventually wins, you'll see, and, t and brings that bee that expired bee over to where they had put another bee because that's where they were taught to put it. The other bee obviously was taught to fly away with them and that's what that bee was doing. So it was another striking example of how you can see two different behaviors from bees to get to the same solution and the only way to explain it I think is through learned behavior plus when you add that to the neuroscience it certainly makes sense. So when I was installing HopGuard, yeah, I'm getting to the point here. When I installed the HopGuard in the recommendations, it says you should put the HopGuard way down where they may be having babies. Well, the issue is, of course, HopGuard only works when bees rub against it or touch the material, and that then kills the mites. So putting it here or there shouldn't matter as long as the bees have access to it. And I believe if you put it in the hive anywhere where bees have access to it, they will teach each other, they will learn that if they rub against it, it will help them with the mites. So we, we did this with the thymol because formic is an acid. So last year with the thymol, I simply put it at the top of every hive and let them come and take it as they wish. And there's also an um, gas with that one too. So this is the first time I've actually pushed it with the with the hop guard. Now in the in the fall, July, as we get into August, I'll be treating the very if we have any big hives ready to explode, I'm going to use formic. I know it's tough, but it's a natural occurring uh, treatment. Um, considered a natural product, doesn't get absorbed, doesn't bees don't get uh, supposedly to get too harmed by it, but um, mites don't develop resistance. So I may have to use some formic, but again, I'm going to use HopGuard in the same way to give bees an opportunity to learn how to take on the mites. And hopefully over time, this will become something that they teach each other very quickly. 
the idea of the swarms that are in the log hives and the top bar hives, they will be swarming. A lot of our bees will be swarming because we're not going to make probably more than five splits, if that, this year, because we don't need to. And we want them to swarm because swarming is another way to give the hive a mite break and also encourage you know propagation of bees in in the bush i'm sure there's some spots where they can naturally find a you know a dried out tree or an area we'll also have a number of we have um i believe four um man-made log hives prepared ready to go uh for swarms to catch swarms and i'm going to put some langstroths out too so hopefully when they swarm we will catch some of them um just because that will be their choice and if i get a chance i'll try to catch them myself so this is Hank from the Wildflower Bee Farm. What a week, eh? So we, we look forward to talking with you again next time.